We are so glad you're here. These are exciting days. And here's the title of my message this morning, and I am so excited to share it with you. The title is How to Feel More Loved, How to Feel More Loved. And so here's what's going to happen. We're going to go through three portions of Scripture. I'm going to introduce you to your loving father. I'm going to introduce you to your loving designer, and I'm going to introduce you to your loving priest. And by seeing Jesus as your loving priest, loving designer, and loving father, um, and see Jesus revealing the essence of the Father, uh, you're going to feel loved today. You're going to feel loved today. Now, before I jump in, can I share a scripture I just saw the last couple of days in a whole new light, and it's just blowing my mind, and I want to read it to you in the passage, uh, the, the Passion Translation, but check out Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, and, and the Passion Translation is relatively new and for those that don't know, um, a multiplicity of translations is good, right? Because we're, we're, we're treating ancient languages, primarily two, in some cases three. Uh, you've got uh, Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic throughout the uh, 44, uh, 66 books in the Bible and the 44 different authors and some 1,500 years in the writing process. So a lot of translations, people kind of freak out every time a new translation comes out. This is so typical Christian. We're like, is this a good one? Is this accurate? And, and throughout... Um, uh, hundreds of years now, we have like made some translations bad and some good, and, and certainly some are more accurate, but I would actually encourage you in your Bible study to enjoy the different translations and do research by using different translations. Just download the Bible app. I think 2 billion people have downloaded the Bible app now. Isn't that amazing? It's incredible. Um, but check this out in the Passion, uh, Passion Translation, because this is why we gather. Here it is. Ready? Faith then, faith, which my favorite definition is divine persuasion, is birthed in a heart that responds to God's anointed utterance of the anointed one. So here's what we're going to do here this morning. I am not a success coach. I'm not successful enough to be a success coach. Okay, so go get somebody who, who's done a lot of great successful things in the world. I'm not a success coach. Uh, I'm, I'm not a TED Talk. Uh, my, my role in your life, um, I'm not an expert in anything, but I love Jesus like you love Jesus, and God has given me a gift to tell the story of Jesus over and over and over. I recently met for like two and a half hours with a friend of mine who knows nothing about Jesus, knows nothing nothing about church, never been to church. And he goes, how do you keep writing new material? And I was like, oh, it's the same every week. It's the best job ever. And he's like, I should have been a priest. <laughs> you Because know? um, that was funny. All right. So um, it, it really is every time we get together, by the way, for those that don't recognize this scripture, it's the scripture of faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Some of you know that scripture. That's what it is in the passion. But I love how the passion picks it up because I think it does such a great treatment. So here's our agenda and here's our goal in the next few moments. It's that faith continues to grow inside of you as you hear the anointed utterance about the anointed one, which means um, a board of elders believed that there was an anointing on my life to tell the story of Jesus. And so that board said, Judah, we believe you're supposed to lead the community in terms of utterance and communication of scripture. Now, my job is to stick to the utterance about the anointed one. So the goal today, I, my job is not to tell you about principles, it's to tell you about a person. 
and it's to keep telling you about this person and to tell you all of the beautiful dimensions and the content of his character that makes him so attractive and magnetic and gorgeous and beautiful and wonderful. So if you have prepared yourself to gather in a community where I'm gonna give you keys for your marriage, I would love to do that some other time, but that's not nearly as important for me to introduce you to the actual key to any marriage, any relationship, any career, any life, any, and that's a person and his name is Jesus. And so that's what we're, so if you're looking today for, and I hope this is about marriage, I hope this is about parenting, I hope this is about success, I hope this is about, it actually is, it's just all culminates in a person and that person is Jesus. And the way faith grows in your heart is not when preachers talk about subsequent points and principles and concepts, but when they introduce you to a person. So I'm excited for you to see Jesus again, for you to rehearse, revisit, recall, and remember the beauty and the majesty of Jesus, because I believe that can save your marriage. I believe that can save your children. I believe that can cure cancer. I believe that can set you free from bankruptcy. I believe it can give you innovative ideas for your business or future business. I believe it's all in the person of Jesus. He is the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form, and church home is dedicated committed, passionately focused on the person of Jesus. Somebody say amen. So that's what we're going to do. How to feel more loved. So Chelsea and I, we bought um, a few bicycles recently, and they're the bicycles that when you don't want to bicycle anymore, um, that you push a button on the handle and it turns into a secret motorcycle. These are my favorite new bikes. I love 2021 sometimes. I know this has been a difficult season to say the very least, but there are some inventions you're like, this is nice. Are we the Jetsons yet? Clearly not, okay? I thought by now we would be sending all of our kids to school on hoverboards. Anybody with me? I was like, what happened to hoverboards? We were talking about hoverboards in 89, right? It's 2021, where's my hoverboard? We don't know, but here's what we do know. We have fake bicycles now and I am in love. This is the best thing ever because you can look like you're exercising, but you're not. I've, that's exactly what I want from exercising. I just want you to know that I exercise, right? But I don't want to actually exercise, right? Larry Bikes, you know what I'm talking about, okay? So I really, 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 really like just kind of um, looking like I'm on a bicycle, right? It's like, hey, how are you? We're going for a family bike ride, but secretly, like when you turn away, I go, and we just like, you know, go uphill. It's amazing. Okay, so I'm super into these motorized vehicles. I also love because like um, people don't know, so you can ride on like just bicycle lanes and you can just be like, oh yeah, just, just you know, motorcycles go by. You're like, must be nice. And then when no one's looking, like, and our bikes go like 19 miles an hour. And then you can, you can crack them, we figured out online, and you can up it to 25. I don't want to get into the details, but they're fast, Okay. I'm really into them. But recently, um, I discovered that, 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 that bicycle tires leak, and, and no one knows why. I mean, here's a great mystery of the universe, right? If you leave your bicycle in your garage and don't use it, and so I admit I haven't been using my motorized vehicle as much as I should because um, it's so much work. Uh, so my son the other day took out one of the bikes and 
and he, he couldn't figure out, it just wasn't working right, and he discovered that the back tire was completely flat, completely flat. And he came to me like a son comes to a father, and he's like, Dad, what do you think happened to the tire? And it was a moment of training and teaching, and I'm kind of being silly, so bear with me. Some of you are leaning in like, okay, finally we're getting to some good content here, and I'm like, we're not there yet. But um, I go, son, I don't know how to tell you this, but there's something about the world. I don't know if it's gravity. I don't know what it is. But bicycle tires left in a garage longer than about seven hours start to lose air. I don't know why it is. I don't think bicycle repair shops care too much. It gives them job security. But it's just the way it is. Bicycle, he's like, there must, be a, there must be a hole. There must be. I don't, I don't know if there is, son. They just leak. The facts are bicycle tires leak air. They don't keep air forever. You just have to refill them. He's like, really? This is difficult. I'm like, it's really not that difficult, okay? We just need to put more air in the tires. And it got me thinking about us and love. And it's very similar to a bicycle tire left in a garage. If you do not rehearse, revisit, remember, and recall the love of God for you, I am convinced the love of God in our frail, finite, broken frame, the human condition here on earth, we leak the love of God. It just leaks. We're a lot like that bicycle tire in a garage. And I think we think... You know, the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So whether it's getting the app, downloading it in your living room, my buddy last night at the Kraken game, uh, I was asking him, he's like, wait, are you, are you live tomorrow? I was like, yeah, 9-11. He's like, well, here's my 9 a.m. service. And he showed me with his feet up on his ottoman with a coffee watching the app. He's like, can't beat this. So that's what I'll be doing tomorrow. And I'm like, I don't blame you, okay? So the forsaking of ourselves together can all over the world. Do you know, by the way, we have 500 people in South Africa that are gathering in homes, practicing their faith, a part of church home. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. Incredible. But one of the reasons we do this consistently is because we leak. We leak. Am I the only one that, like, I preach how much God loves us, and I wake up on an ordinary Tuesday sometimes and go, I don't feel loved, I feel judged, I feel weak, I feel weary, I feel exhausted, I feel overwhelmed. Oh, and by the way, all of the elements around me keep telling me I'm not loved, I'm not seen, I'm not valuable, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a nightmare, right? I'm a liability, I'm a moral liability, I'm an ethical liability, I'm a spiritual liability, I'm a relational liability. I, I don't always follow through, I don't always do what I'm gonna say, I don't always practice in the innermost being of my soul and my mind what I preach and proclaim on a consistent basis. And so all of a sudden, like that mystery of a bicycle tire left in a garage, you feel flat. You feel flat. And so what I want to do today is take you to three portions of Scripture to put some air in your tire so that you can feel the reality, the truth, the truth. The truth is you are loved. Now, feelings come and feelings go. Feelings are going to tell you sometimes that you, in fact, you are not loved. But I'm here to denounce to you today, announce, not denounce, <laughs> announce, <laughs> I don't know where that came from, um, the penalty box. Put me in the penalty box for two minutes, I'll be back. But I want to announce that you, the truest thing in the universe is that you are loved. 
You are so loved by God. Now, we're not going to go to John 3, 16, but if you don't remember any other verse, remember the one Tim Tebow wrote. John 3, 16 says, come on, these are old jokes. Um, John 3, 16 says, for God so loved. Now, we put the so in front of the love because the original language so emphasizes this concept of love. It means that he is obsessed with you. It means that he's, you're always on his mind, that he's always thinking about you. He's always, his thoughts are towards you. You ever get a text from somebody, hey, just thinking about you today, I hope you're good, and you're kind of like, oh, that felt nice, especially if it's someone you respect or love or care about, and they're like, just thinking about you, and you're like, oh, you were just thinking about me on a Thursday afternoon? Thank you. Well, I got good news. The designer and architect of the ages, you are always on his mind. You're always on his mind, and you are so loved. You're not just loved. You are so loved. So here's where we're going to start. I want to introduce you to your loving father, Again, And I'm going to take you to what is actually the most quoted scripture from this stage. I think we, we purchased this building in 1998 um, for $8 million. I think this facility is now worth like $65 million. So pretty amazing, right? But I remember when my dad, I was 19, he's like, we're going to buy the Overlake building. They're selling it. And I was like, I think we had $20,000 in the bank account for City Church. And we had about 20 people. That's what it felt like. It was a few hundred. But, and I don't even know how I knew that at 19. I just knew that we didn't have any money. And we walked through this facility. And my dad said, we're going to buy it and God's going to supply. And I'm like, my dad's lost it, but I love him. You know, like this is not okay. And I don't think we can tell the few hundred people in our church, we're going to buy an $8 million facility in a matter of just a few months, $2.5 million was raised. And this, this facility has been paid off for for many, many, many years. But the most quoted scripture from this stage from my father was Matthew 7, 11. And this is what dad always said. If you need something, where do you go? You go to 7, 11. All right, yeah, all right, all right. It was 98, those things were great. All right, so Matthew 7, 11. Listen to this verse. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more. Now, you're going to notice that how much more will be in all three of our passages today, and I would encourage you, it is a really exhilarating study. If you want to do a quick little Bible study this week, look up all the New Testament passages where how much more or much more. In fact, if you want to stick around at the 11 a.m. service, I'm going to preach a message called Empty Threats, and we're going to go to Romans chapter 5. You know anything about Romans chapter 5? It is the much more chapter. In fact, multiple times it says much more. And so we're going to talk about how the grace of God super abounds over sin and how sin is full of empty threats. And it's going to set some people free. So you can join us if you want to for the 11 a.m. You can stick around. If you don't, I don't blame you because I'm the preacher, so I definitely will be here, but you're not, so you're free to go enjoy brunch. Send me pictures. Okay. How much more will your father who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him. How much more? Now, Matthew 7, 11 is not, the point of Matthew 7, 11 is not to call parents evil. That's not the goal, okay? It, sometimes we read, you know, if you being evil, and you're like, I'm not, why would you say that, Lord? I am not evil. You're not. But when lined up next to the goodness 
and the grandeur and the majesty and the magnitude of God's love, the best way I can explain it is the best parents you can imagine, by definition, quite literally, are evil, are evil compared to the goodness of God. It is very hard for us in our finite brain, this side of heaven, that's why it says your father who is in heaven, it could say your father who is home, you're not home yet, but your father who's home, he is good. In fact, he's so good, we've got to revisit this, we've got to talk about this, that all of eternity he will fill, think about this, he will fill forever with the unfolding revelations of his goodness. There will be no end to new unfolding dimensions of his goodness. Just try to let that sink in if it's even possible. There will be no end, please hear me, no end. Brothers and sisters, there is an end to my goodness. It usually can last at its best about six hours. The other day, we had a shoot that lasted about 14 hours for Christmas Eve. So if you don't watch that Christmas Eve special, I am telling you, you know, we shot for 14 hours, I believe. It was a full 14-hour day, and my goodness failed me, right? I spent it all on the beautiful children, and then I was like, all right, I'm done. I go back to the hotel, and I'm like, Charles, just, I just, I just, I'm going to turn on ESPN. Don't talk to me, <laughs> right? My goodness doesn't even last a day. His goodness goes on and on. What am I saying? What I'm saying is he never is in a bad mood. He, he never is inconsistent with how he presents himself. There is no disparity between his public and his private. He is consistently who he is. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes not. He is the great immutable God, and he is good through and through. And he would like you to know that a dimension of his goodness is he is generous. And when he says he's generous, it means he's always generous. It means he's never not generous. You can't ever catch God in a stingy moment. You can't ever catch God going, don't talk to me. Don't come to me. Don't ask me for anything. Ask me for a parking spot during the holiday season. I'm over here trying to save continents. No, we superimpose those concepts. That's the trappings and makings of man, not God. God says, come on. What do you want to talk about? I'm a listener. This, this is amazing to me. I struggle with listening, and here's where I struggle most with listening when I'm listening to someone that I know better than. It's the facts. I'm sorry, it's just what it is. Like if you came to me and you're like, Judah, I wanna tell you something about golf. I would ask you what your handicap is. That's a golf term. I would ask you, how good do you play? And then you would tell me, and if it's not as good as me, I would be like, all right, all right, all right. When are you gonna be done so I can tell you the truth about golf? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm like, you telling me, right? The other day, I had a two, two and a half hour plane delay on Southwest. God bless Southwest, I'll never fly them again. But the point is, <laughs> I will, I, that's my vow to God and to this church. I will never fly Southwest Airlines again. And if you're an employee of Southwest, I think Alaska's hiring. So the point is, 
right? That's how I really feel. I'm going to start calling out airlines in church. I mean, that's how I feel, man. Some of you are like, you are not good. That's right. My goodness ends sometimes. Okay, so we had like a two and a half hour delay on Southwest Airlines. And first of all, first of all, the, the captain, now I'm really going to get into the story, and I don't even know if this is relevant to my sermon, but bear with me. The, the, the captain comes on, he says, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I don't know how to tell you this, but uh, two of you have gotten on this plane without a boarding pass. And my first thought is, and that's our fault? That's our fault? I'm like, listen, man, if you let us on your plane without boarding passes, there's a lot of planes I'm going to get on, like the one to Maui. You know what I mean? Like, I mean... And he's like, so we're going to be delayed now because two of you. I'm like, now we're using shame, right? We're using shame to shame people. But I don't even know where I'm going with this story. But one, one new employee went aisle to aisle and asked for everyone's name and ID. When they got to our row, we were like in the sixth or seventh row, in not first class, like Judah, it's Southwest, there's no first class, okay. So we were like, hey, do, are you gonna get any help? And she, she looks around, she goes, right? She goes, I don't know. Everyone was just standing there watching her for two and a half hours. She had to get everyone's ID and everyone's number. What a blessing. It was such a blessing. What was my point? I don't quite remember, but, Here's the good news about God. He's never late. Like, Judah, that's definitely not what you were saying. <laughs> He's always on time, and there's never delays. Well, sometimes it feels like there is, actually. But think about, think about we'll just get back to the point. The point is God is a, he's a good listener, and I, uh, that just overwhelms me. Why would you listen to me? Right? I just, I want to cut people off when they're talking nonsensical. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. all right, anyways, you're wrong. Here's the truth. You know, and that you feel like that you're justified. Do you see Jesus listening? What is he telling us? How much he loves us. Like he listens. Am I the only one that struggled desperately? Here's what I love about children. When they're really young and they don't make any sense, we hope they don't remember the fact that we're not really listening. You know, you go, dad, dad. So, Dad, today at school, I, and you're like, oh, buddy, that's so, really? Oh, that's amazing. And if he's like, Dad, what did I say? You'd be like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> right? Because it's like, oh, you're so cute, but you don't make any sense. And yet God listens to you and me. Am I the only one that feels like we could spend the next three hours just contemplating the listening God of the ages? God, I'm so stressed out. My coworker is so rude. And I just, if I was God, I'd be like, oh, just get it together. I'm up here holding the solar system in place. And you're worried about Susan, your coworker? Your mean barista coworker? You know, and, you, and, and he doesn't do that, though. He just goes, come on, tell me about it. Tell me about it. It must be hard. It is. I love you. And if this is what you want to talk about, I'm here to listen. I'm here to listen. Boy, 2021 is such an interesting time because I am falling in love with listeners everywhere. 
Are you like me? I'm like, if I can find somebody to listen, I'm like, you are an anomaly. No one listens in 2021. Everyone talks as fast as they can to let you know how they feel about what's really going on. Well, you know what I think. I don't, but I've got a hunch you're about to tell me for the next 22 minutes. Where is someone who will listen? God, the very being that shouldn't wants to and does. That's how loved you are. It's like, come on, come on. You can just talk to me. He's a good listener. He's a good giver. And he's a good companion, right? I mean, that's, that's, he's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm good. And, 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 and good, good is hard because we have cultural connotations to good, right? Good to great, right? Remember that book? It's like, good is good, but great is better. It's different though in the original language. When, when, when it says God is good, it, it means he is perfect in every way. He's better than great. He's always, I want you to just, I know I'm going slow for a moment and I know I'm telling airline stories that don't connect, but bear with me. He's good. What makes him good? He listens. He gives. He's there. If you earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, so what, what he's saying, he's talking, about, he's talking about parents who take care of their kids. He's talking about parents who provide. He's talking about parents who are present. He said, all of those parents are evil in comparison to my goodness. What do you want to talk about? What do you need? I'm here, I'm listening, and I'm generous. Who am I? I'm your heavenly father. He's your father father. He's your father. You hear me? He is the definition of your father. Your earthly father is a placeholder. I mean, no disrespect to your father, but he is a placeholder at best in light of the cosmic realities of God. He's just a placeholder. That's all. And you'll get to see your placeholder again in eternity. But when I see my father, there will be much love. But by then, I will have the full revelation that I have been reunited with my eternal father. And there he is perfect. And he's always available to me. We could talk more about that, but I want to now introduce you to not just your loving father. I want to introduce you to um, your loving designer, your loving designer. Listen to this passage. This is so good. We go to Luke chapter 12 and verse 24. Consider the ravens. That's a good scripture for Halloween. Consider the ravens. I hate ravens, by the way. I love all birds except ravens. I don't like ravens. And come to think of it, they're the smartest. But ravens kind of freak me out. You know, they're always like hanging around and talking to each other and plotting and planning. And they're doing things in groups and stuff. And I'm like, I don't know about ravens. If you've done any study about ravens, like they're really smart. They communicate. They track you. They know your routine. They know when you put out your garbage, the whole thing. Like it's very, very creepy and very, very weird. Happy Halloween. Okay, consider the ravens, right? The scavengers. They, they neither sow nor reap. They're, they're, they're not stressed out. They don't seem to work hard. They have neither storehouse nor barn, yet who feeds them? 
God feeds them. God feeds them. God knows every raven. Now, that may seem real simple to you, but sometimes this is simple things we don't take time to soak. Soak it in. He knows the ravens. I venture to say he named them. Every raven, you're like, somebody put the lid on the garbage can, the birds are out again. He knows them. So he says of how much more value are you than the birds? Which suggests to me, you should check out the birds more. Instead of spending time comparing with the Joneses, you should watch the birds. You should become a bird watcher because the birds will preach the goodness of God to you if you let them. The birds are supplied for. The birds are taken care of. The birds glide through the air. The birds have all the beautiful colors and dimensions. My, one of my dad's favorite hobbies was bird watching. He was a bird watcher. And I remember being young thinking, Dad, why are we looking at birds? I don't want you to describe one more. It's the yellow-winged finch bird, Judah. It's right here. This is rare in Washington State. It's semi-instinct. Son, look through the, the goggles. What are these called again? The... The telescope, binoculars. I blocked it out. I don't even know the term anymore. I'm like, I don't have time for binoculars, Dad. I'm out here trying to play professional sports. All right, don't laugh, man. That was rude. Don't laugh. All right, somebody like, look at you. That was never a chance. All right, all right, relax. I wanted to look like Bobby Wagner so bad, okay? But, but the truth is, the birds tell the story. Right? And my dad was right. It's so funny. I feel so much more like my dad every day, right? Because I'm like, where's the birds? Where's the birds? So I, got in, I got in a 25-minute conversation today with a friend on hummingbirds. All we want to talk about is hummingbirds. I'm like, is this what 43-year-olds do? You know, like, yesterday, Chelsea and I turned on um, um, the Discovery Channel or something, and we were watching Planet Earth, and we were watching flyovers of the Grand Canyon, and we were like, wow. Meanwhile, I'm, wish, I'm missing nine overtimes and Penn State losing to Illinois. And Chelsea's like, these games don't matter. I'm like, yeah, they don't. And we turn it to the Nat Nature channel. And I'm watching videos of the Grand Canyon missing the longest college football game in history. I'm not mad, babe. It's cool. I love you. Not a big deal. But flying over the Grand Canyon and I'm like, wow. Wow. He's, he wants you to see his designs but he wants you to understand that not everything he designed is of the same value. Now, that may not be the most popular cultural comment, but that's the truth. He said, how much more value? It, it, it goes on, next verse. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of his life? Right? So now we're talking about these anxieties we feel of which of you, if you then are not able to do a small thing, is that why are you anxious about the rest of everything? Consider, now we're talking about flowers. Consider the lilies, ravens and lilies, a common bird and a common flower. Consider the ravens. They, 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 God takes care of the most common bird. He takes care of the most common flower. I want you, he says, look how they grow. They don't toil or spin. You never walk by a big field of lilies and hear grunting and groaning. They're not stressed. They're not worried. Yet I tell you, now, now wait for it, Solomon, 
the wealthiest man to ever live on the planet, and that is pretty much agreed upon historically. No one had more money than Solomon. No one had more gold than Solomon. In all of his glory, a multi-billionaire never looked as good as my most common flower, God says. My most common flower beats your biggest billionaire because that's what I do. And you're like, all right, God, well, tell us what you really think. This is what I really think. The most common bird, the most common flower. Do they seem stressed? Do they seem worried? Do they seem fearful? No, you know why? Because they understand the order of my design and the order of my creation. I will take care of them and somehow they intuitively know it. I'll take it a step further. Jesus said, if you humanoids don't worship me and recognize who, if I can't find one eternal soul in a human being to recognize who I am, inanimate objects like rocks will literally grow tongues and gums and start to praise me, which is to say some Somehow, we need to know that even creation itself, intuitively built into its system, understands there is a divine designer. And if necessary, creation itself will start to sing. That's how real this is. That's how big he is. That's how grand he is. That's how awesome he is. And yet we find ourselves late October 2021 wondering if God will come through. You need to go to Walla Walla and find some lilies. Like, I just wanted to say Walla Walla. <laughs> I like the name Walla Walla. You know, it's like, way to go, Washington. We got a Walla Walla. That's amazing, right? We, we need to get out a little bit. And what I love about the Northwest is like, these scriptures were made for us, church. Let's get out in the elements and recognize the beauty and the majesty. Does he not know every leaf that falls, whether it be yellow or red or orange, during this autumn season? Yes, he does. And all of it declares his majesty and the content of his character, which is constantly consistent. Wow. Have you checked out a flower lately? Have you listened for the stress of the tulip? Have you gone to the tulip fields and is it Everett? What? No, it's further. What's up further? Duval? No, it's like Duval. What is it? Skagit? Mount Vernon? Thank you. I know these names. I used to play Mount Vernon in high school. We're not going to get into it. I scored like 20 points that year. But anyways, I think what's important is let's look at the birds and the flowers, church. He... First of all, what is he saying? Your loving designer is saying, you are much more valuable to me. Have you lost your value? Have you felt devalued? I've said it so many times, but the worst thing we do to one another as human beings is we devalue one another. By the way, who do you think you are that you could devalue the centerpiece of God's creation? You might attempt to devalue, but implicit value is God-given and it cannot be taken away. So Jesus says, I, I want you to see my birds and my flowers because I'm very proud of them, but much more am I proud of you. I, um, I hear all of these yoga instructors and all these concepts talking about, you know, being grounded and stuff. And I'm talking, I'm, I, th I keep thinking to myself, man, that's from our book. We're the flower people. When did we stop being the flower people? When did we stop being the bird people? When did we stop taking off our shoes and walking in the grass? When did we stop that? 
When did we become so domesticated and institutionalized? When did we just fill up buildings on Sunday and look at back aheads and listen to our favorite communicator? When did we stop hearing creation declare his glory? When did we stop living in the elements? When did we stop looking at the wonder of a puppy or seeing the majesty of an eagle? When did we stop doing that? When did that become something we weren't about? No, that's who we are. We know the eagle maker. We know the grass designer, right? We know the bird creator. That's, that's our God. And every time I look at a bird, I think it doesn't stress. And how much more valuable am I to God? His yoke is easy. His burden is like cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Jesus said, words of Jesus, this is in red. He said, if you're 5'8", you want to be 5'9", worrying about being 5'9", will never make you 5'9". So you might as well enjoy 5'8". And in my case, 6'5". All right, all right, relax. 6'1 and a half, 6'2 with shoes. But the point is... Understanding how loved and cared for you actually really are. I, 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 I kind of want to send you home with a homework assignment today. Whether you're watching or whether you're in this room live, that, that you go find a bird to watch. You go find a flower to look at. Right? And if you need to and you live in a condo, go, go buy you a flower from Safeway and put it in a little pot and look at it for a few days and just watch because your designer wants you to know he's proud of his flowers, but how much more is he proud of you? Am I the only parent in here that I want my kids to be so provided for that when you see my babies, you think to yourself, they must have a good father and mother. I want them to smell nice. I want to provide enough money that they got a shower they can take a shower in and they got some clothes they can put on and, and, and because I, my kids reflect me and I want my kids to feel loved, but I want people when they see the Smith kids to know those are kids that are taken care of. How much more? Your heavenly father. Isn't it funny how much, how, much, how much talk we give to God and we feel like we're twisting his arm and talking him into it? Oh, no. You're not talking God into anything he doesn't already want to do. He will provide for you. I could go on to read verse 28. Let me just read the rest of these verses. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow's one in the oven, how much more? How much more? How much more will he clothe you? Oh, you of little persuasion. Not seek what you are to eat and what you're to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things. And your father already knows that you need them. Instead, think about his kingdom. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Make righteousness, peace, and joy your theme. Make righteousness, peace, and joy your goal. Make righteousness, peace, and joy your focus. And listen, listen, listen. And all these things will be added. Now the facts are, we're going to walk out of this auditorium or we're going to turn this telecast off and we're going to be faced with the elements of real human existence again. 
And what I have discovered is that most of the elements and the surrounding strappings of life preach another message. And that message is you will only get out what you put in. And if you want something, you gotta go get it. And so we become merely and only American again. And we settle to a lower level of living where we try to twist the arm of God to give us the toy we want. And we go to work understanding that if we pull up our bootstraps, only then will we have something for our children and for our... I know it's not popular, but what I've just read to you are the red words of Jesus. So he said, stop stressing, stop striving, and look around, look up, take a breath, take a beat. Can you find a bird? Can you find a flower? Can you find a raven? Can you find a lily? They're everywhere. And stop for a moment and go, look at that bird. So you, yes, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of you. How far do you want to go in your faith? How far do you want to take it? See, I am persuaded that as Jesus followers, we are to be peculiar people. And what makes us peculiar is um, not that we all wear long dresses and we don't wear makeup. That's not what makes, and, and I'm down for long dresses and no makeup. That's cool too. I'm currently wearing makeup and if I had my choice, I'd wear makeup every day. Why? Because I look good. I don't know. That's why. I mean, I don't know. it's not that complicated. I've had a few people see me around town like, are you wearing makeup? And I'm like, yes, I am. Thanks for asking. <laughs> but what makes us peculiar is not our exterior appearance alone. But it's our carefree living in the care of God. Carefree living in the care of God. How can you be so unworried? I, I, if I had a dollar for every person that says, I'm so afraid, what are you afraid of? And they share what right now in 2021 scares them. First of all, I celebrate that. I think we ought to be honest about what we're afraid of. But the Bible says he's not giving us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. I think one of the things that makes us peculiar and unusual and stand out in the midst of our culture is that we're not going to be terrified the way everybody else is terrified because we have a loving father, a loving designer. And lastly, we have a loving priest. Listen to this. This passage is amazing. How can preachers preach 20 minutes? I need two hours. You're like, Judah, we know. Okay. Hebrews, listen to this. This is so When the Messiah arrived, the high priest of the superior things of this new covenant, he bypassed the old tent, its trappings, and his created world and went straight into heaven's tent, the true holy place, once, once and for all. Once and for all. Once and for all. We don't sacrifice animals. We don't count on the sacrifice of humanity anymore. Jesus is our once and for all sacrifice. He is the once and for all sacrifice going on. He also bypassed the sacrifice existing of goats and calf blood, instead using his own blood. Woo! Instead, using his own blood as the price to set us free once and for all. I'm going to read it again, church home. 
So you know what Jesus did? He used his own blood as the ultimate price to set us free once and for all. You hear me what you're free of today? You're not just free of sin. And we'll talk more about that at the 11 a.m. service. You're not just free of sin. You're free of stress. You're free of anxiety. You're free of toil. You're free of worry. You actually don't have to anymore. You're not obligated to anymore. You can live carefree in the care of God. I didn't say it was easy all the time. I didn't say you feel like it all the time. I didn't say all of your elements and, the, and, and, and your context would agree all the time. But, but you have been set free once and for all. If that animal blood and the other rituals of purification were effective in cleaning up certain matters of our religion and behavior, is that thunder? That's some good preaching right there. That's some good preaching. Tell you what, I was like, I was like, should I? What are you doing over there, right? I like, man, I, somebody brought those like things that they smashed together in games. I was like, we got thunder sticks in church? Who brought the thunder sticks? Bring them again. I was like, uh, all right. <laughs> My goodness. So, <laughs> if you're watching, there was just a big thunder, and this isn't Oklahoma, so we're not used to that, okay? This is, this is different for us, all right? If that animal blood and other rituals of purification were effective in cleaning up, listen to this, certain matters of our religion and behavior, think, 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 how much more. The blood of Jesus cleans up our whole lives inside and out. Do you believe that the blood of Jesus has cleaned up your life inside and out? Do you believe that Jesus finished the work? Do you believe that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Do you truly believe or do your actions pretend to be more powerful than the blood of Jesus? Do you believe that your work is more powerful than the finished work of Jesus? Do you believe that your lives are cleaned up inside and out? Look what it says going on. Through the Spirit, Jesus offered himself as an unblemished sacrifice, freeing us from all those dead-end efforts to make ourselves respectable so that we can live all out for God. No fear. No condemnation. Do you know your loving priest? <laughs> Do you know what he wants to remind you of every day? That kingdom that's supposed to be paramount on your mind. And the kingdom is the domain of the king, and its elements are threefold. Righteousness, peace, and joy. See, if you look at church history, hundreds of years ago, gross, horrific plagues and pandemics that seem so near and dear these days. See, there was a kind of Jesus follower hundreds of years ago that because there was so much righteousness and so much peace and so much joy, we went towards the plague. Now, listen, wear a mask. I did get a vaccine. I thought you guys would all be proud of me. I realize now some people don't like the fact that their pastor got a vaccine. I'll be honest, I'll plead a little bit of ignorance. I didn't think that one through. But I wanna be clear now, and I don't mean to offend anyone. My life will not be defined by what I'm afraid of. 
and I'm afraid of a lot of things, but that's not going to be my life. Now, I'm not saying, listen, if you didn't get the vaccine, whatever you do, you do in faith, divine persuasion. So if God's given you confidence, I am not here to discuss the vaccine. So I'm like, here we go. This is what these preachers do. No, 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 no. And I'm not a part of any gang, blue or red. But the point is, are you, I want to live all out for God. I, I want to be a part of the Jesus people that when the whole world shudders in fear, we are the wild people that say, not only will we go where it is worse, where it is the worst, even when we die, we will know that we have graduated home. And I'm going to talk about this next service. I'm going to talk about the threat of death and how it's an empty threat. It's an empty threat. And when you realize that death, listen, I want to live. I want to live for a number of different reasons. A lot of it is I love all of you, but I want to be with my wife, and she is so gorgeous, and I don't know if there's sex in heaven. That's something I'm still working through. And so I'm like, we have got to have sex as much as we can right now because we might be dead soon. Right? Is there anybody else feel like that? That's how I feel. Okay, so, so listen, I got a lot of motivation still to live. I'm so into it, okay? So down. But, but like, I, I want to live. Somebody like, do you want to die? I want to live. 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 But if I die, oh, baby, I'm going home. You hear me? Don't you cry for me. I'm going home. I'm going home. And so... I just want Jesus to be so big and so real to you that the way we live, not just the way we vote or the way we post on social media. You hear me, church? I'm talking about the way we live. That what causes other people to shake in terror. We say, where is it? Let's go. We're going to be here. We're going to serve, we're going to help, we're going to love, we're going to care. This is who we are. I don't have, my theology informs me differently than the culture. My life will not be defined by fear. You hear me? My life will be defined by the forgiveness of Jesus Christ that has been freely purchased for me through the finished work of my Savior. He, the, 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 um, the amplified version says he's freed us from dead works and a lifeless observance of rules. Oh, how I want you to be free, church, from dead works and a lifeless observance of rules. Fall in love again. Get all caught up in the romance again. And let that romance inform your daily life. Not what is popular, what is traditional, what is customary. Let it inform you. We, we have got to, people keep asking, why Judah? Why are you here only once a month? Because our church cannot be built on where the preacher is live. 
the church must be built on people who understand the reality of Jesus and live in their neighborhoods and love their neighbors and show them the remarkable ways of Jesus. And so we cannot just sit in auditoriums in suburban America thinking that we're changing the world. We have got to live in our cul-de-sacs, in our communities, and we've got to love our neighbor, and we've got to go where there is loss, and there is pain, and there is collusion, and there is confusion. That's where we need to be with the love of Jesus. Do you want me to let you in on a little sneaky secret? One of the reasons I'm only here once a month is in hopes that you won't always come to this building on Sundays. I'm the crazy preacher who would tell you what I really think. Because I think some Sundays, instead of, I'm not shaming you for sitting here. In fact, if you weren't, I would have no one to talk to except the camera. And I have been doing that a lot, so, but it's not nearly as enjoyable. <laughs> but we, we've got to, Go into all the world and tell everyone you know there's a loving father. There's a loving designer. There's a loving priest. And he sets you free from the condemning sentence of rules and regulations and morals and ethics. And that your citizenship is more than just your citizenship in your country. It's a citizenship in heaven. And there you are counted amongst the redeemed and the beloved. And there, there is every ethnicity, black, brown, yellow, red, white, all precious in his sight. And there in utopia, in eternity, and forever, and heaven, we will be home. But until then, the highest order of the day is not our mere career and making sure our kids get a good education. It's telling the world there's a God desperately in love with them. For we will be dead soon. And I just don't want to die and finally find out when I think we got all the hints we might need now to know what it's all about. Hey, whatever you do, you do it with all your heart. And the scripture says, but you do it as unto him. This is for you. My dentistry is for you. My school teaching is for you. I want to do it for you. I'm going to love my students for you, God. I'm going to love my babies, my children, for you, God. I want to do it to you. You are the only loving father I've truly ever known. You are the loving designer who makes me more valuable than birds and flowers and, and architecture and buildings. It's you. It's you. And, 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 and you're my loving priest. You didn't just offer the blood of bulls and goats. That's not what you desired. That's not what you wanted. You wanted relationship with the centerpiece of mankind. So you came and you put on skin and bone and you became a man. You lived amongst us for 33 years. You were born as a baby, a fragile, finite baby. You were put in a feeding trough in a barn in Bethlehem in total obscurity. You only lived a few square miles. You lived as a carpenter's son, a stepdad named Joseph, and you came and you lived amongst us. And then for three short years, you did miracles unlike we had ever seen. And you told us over and over that God is here and everything's changed. And then you proved that it was you because you died between two criminals. But on the third day, you got up to basically say to the world, I told you so. It's me. 
God. How can we not stop and go, whoa, wait a second. Grocery store, snacks, kids' lunches, school, job, day off, hobbies, sports. They're all nice. They're cute. But this is all about him. It's all by him and through him and for him and unto him. It's, it's him. Is he not the desire of all nations, Churchill? Oh, how man will toil and strive. And man will continue to try to fix a problem only God can. I do not fault my fellow man. I do not fault the constructs and the systems that we have set up, and policies and procedures that we have attempted to set up, but to say that they are fragmented and broken is a cosmic understatement. Oh, my faith is not in the constructs and leadership of a man. My faith is in the one who has changed human history as we know it. And I am here to declare he is in love with you. You are the apple of his eye. Who told you you weren't? Who told you that you weren't a part of the central theme of the world? You are not peripheral. You are not sub-standard. He put you together beautifully and wonderfully and he chose you and he called you and I'll take it a step further and I, I'm, I'm, I'm done. And I saw some people this morning on the app at the 6 a.m. service when I said I'm done, one of our staff members says that means Judah's gonna go at least 10 more minutes. And I, that is a disgusting statement, but how true it is. But, so here's what, here's what I think. And then Amanda Cook is here, one of my dear friends, and she's gonna lead us in some music with, the most amazing volunteer band a church could ever ask for. See, I think that we were supposed to be born at the same time for a reason. That's what I think. I sat with some friends of mine in a car last night and we talked to like, like 11 p.m. And I couldn't help but it get an overwhelming sensation that we were born at the same time for a reason. And it's bigger than what we get a paycheck for. It's because we were made a certain way. We were wired a certain way. And that wiring prepared us for 2020. And 2021, I mean no disrespect to my father, but if Wendell Smith was supposed to be here, he would. But he's not. But you are. You are. If Billy Graham was still, he'd be, but you are. If Dr. King was still, he, but you are. But you are, you hear me? But you are. So what are we doing here? So what are we doing here? 
Are we just going to, like every successive generation, are we just going to go through the motions? Are we going to recognize the prophetic intersection that we find ourselves in in 2021? Is this not our finest hour? Is this not our opportunity for when it is dark and when it is bleak and when it is divisive and when it is broken and when it is fragmented? Where are the divinely persuaded by God who stand up and say, we have hope? And we don't choose sides like y'all choose sides. We're with him. And here's why. Can, can we not testify to the hope we have within us? Can we not tell the world this is why we still have a skip in our step and a smile? I will not apologize for my smile, and I will not apologize for my skip. For greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. What God has started, he always finishes. So what he started in you, what he started in me, what he started in this church, he's got a plan. He's got a purpose. He's got an intention. And we're going somewhere, and we won't stay here. And I pray that your babies and your children, that we will give way to a new generation, a new generation that knows what it is to follow Jesus in a way that to us is unprecedented, who will follow Jesus, not in Jerusalem, not just in Judea, not just in Samaria, but to the ends of the earth. And I want to declare again over your family and over your babies and over your grandchildren and over your great-grandchildren, we are going to be at ends of the earth kind of people. We're going to go wherever God calls us to go, and we're going to tell the world over and over that there is a great God who's wonderful, gracious, loving, and forgiving. And he welcomes all. Ooh, man. I preach myself happy this morning. He is good, isn't he? And everything he does is good. Wonderful Jesus. Wonderful Jesus. If you want to, you can close your eyes. The reason I like closing my eyes is because you distract me sometimes. So when I close my eyes... I try to focus more on him. So I, if you're comfortable, I want you just to close your eyes just for a moment. Wonderful Jesus. Wonderful Jesus. He is more near to you than your next breath. You hear me? You breathe in. You exhale out. He's closer than the oxygen in your organs. He is a a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Though I make my bed in hell, he is with me. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. I say that over your family. I will fear no evil. You hear me? Over your family, over your children, we will fear no evil. We will fear no evil. We will fear, oh, there is evil, but we will fear no evil. We will fear no evil, for he is with me. Surely he is with me. In the valley, he is with me. And he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. We will fear no evil, for God is with us. Wonderful Jesus. If you're here today or you're watching anywhere in the world and you would like to receive the free gift of forgiveness that only Jesus offers, I want to invite you to do that right now. You know who you are. You know who you are. 
on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, whether you're in a park, a dorm room, an apartment, or on a walk, or even listening on a drive. Keep one hand on the wheel. But if you're willing and able, I want you to lift that other hand. Just lift it right now. One, two, three, if that's you. I received the free gift of forgiveness. I want to know Jesus. I want to be a Jesus follower. I want to receive. Jesus became sin so that I could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If you want that free gift, you just raise your hand wherever you are. Jesus, I thank you that your forgiveness is free. It has already been fully purchased. It has already been fully finished. I thank you in whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I thank you that we can live carefree in the care of your wonderful loving arms. I thank you, Lord, that we are free and free indeed. We're forgiven. I thank you all shame, all condemnation, all guilt, all these things that try to keep us where we are. I thank you. We are free. We are free. We are free to live all out for God. And we thank you for that today in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.